The Carmichael Dave Show. He's on the microphone when he's not on the microphone. He's playing a song, and when he's not playing a song, he's on the microphone, and then boom! With Jason Ross. No, he didn't! Yes, he did! Call or text at 916-339-1140. It's the Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross on Sacktown Sports. Welcome back in to the second hour of the Friday show, March 1st, 2024. Jason Ross here with you. Chris Verlott as well. The rest of you, thank you for joining us. Uh, 1-800-920-1140 if you'd like to get in on the show. Text line 916-339-1140. Those of you on our YouTube chat, thank you for being there with us. Good morning. Uh, hit that thumbs up button at the bottom of your screen. Uh, that truly helps us out. We are in the break looking at uh, the not-so-top 10 of the week. Uh, that was a basketball game that the dog was on the floor. What does that uh, happen? A FIBA game? A FIBA, yeah. Like it feels like an animal or so, of some kind ends up on a lot of the outdoor field games, but I don't know the last time I saw a dog or ever a dog on a no, on a, a court. Cage. Oh, remember the dog in uh uh at the uh, Suns game that peed on the court? Was that during the Kings game? Was it Suns Kings? No, I do not remember that at all. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously? I think yes. I think it was a Suns Kings game. Not this year. Uh, it was a Suns game. It was definitely a Suns game. But was it like within a year or two? No, like maybe a month ago. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. What was the story with it? It was the, oh, was the dog part of the uh, like the halftime routine? Uh, I think I do remember. It that was now. something like that. But this one just looked like a wayward dog yeah. that got on. I mean, not um, you've seen like you know cats or squirrels or different things out at stadiums. Um, oh, did I tell you this the other day? I think I might have. I can't remember if I did, but. Um, I saw him again. Anyway, the in our backyard, we have a, a light, like a motion sensor. You know, if, if something's moving around, you see the light will turn on. And so the light turns on, you know, every once in a while. And it's usually a, a neighbor cat or some sort. And we've have, we're not that far from the river. So, you know, we've had turkeys in our yard, skunks, you know, every once in a while. Certainly like possums, raccoons or whatever. Um, and so the other day... It, I, we saw the light come on, and I was kind of looking out the window, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I go, "That's wait, that's not a cat. What is that? And it was a fox. It was a little fox. that urine fox? It was, it was red fox. Oh. I was telling jokes out there. Um, it was Jamie Fox. I'm just trying to th- – uh, Vivica A. Fox. Man, you're taking them all. Um, yeah, I think I'm out. Um, anyway – so I wasn't 100% certain, but I was pretty certain that it was a fox and ran under one of our little tables and then just just left. I didn't even know there were foxes around here. I, I, I hadn't either. So then um, it literally was, yeah, it was uh, two nights ago when the Kings played um, Denver and I was driving home and get, coming towards my driveway and just a little bit further down the street, you could see these eyes of, I go, oh, there's a cat in the road. I go, oh, no, I think it's I. There it is. I think it's the same fox because it was about the same size, a little bit bigger than a cat. 
I mean, it was it was a little bit taller, definitely the the pointy ears, and then the bushy tail. And so I pulled up closer to see, and it it was one hundred percent a fox. So I think it was the same one. So we got we got so a fo- we got a fox in our neighborhood. I looked up uh, foxes in Sacramento area, and the first thing that comes up: foxes suspected of causing flea infestation. Oh, great. Okay. Well, maybe I do need to get them out of our yard. I don't know if they're permanently there, but certainly uh, spent a few a few moments in our yard at least the other day in in our general area. The Sierra Nevada red fox. It did look. I mean, it was dark, but that would be my guess. Was that? And is it? What would you say? Like the size of a, a larger cat, small dog kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Probably like ten pounds. Yeah. Looks. I didn't get too close. I didn't introduce myself, but you ever see a fox get pet and start like? Oh yeah, don't they? It's like, yeah, (laughs) it's like their version of purring. Um, Last night in the NBA, the Kings did not play. So did they get any help from around the Western Conference? Well, some, some cases they didn't. Let's look at the night in the association from an evening ago. Uh, The Golden State Warriors won again. Uh, The Warriors are, I would say, putting it together a little bit better yesterday. Watched a good portion of that game last night. That was uh, the first game of the TNT doubleheader. The Knicks did get Jalen Brunson back. And boy, the Knicks kept pushing, kept pushing. That game kept getting down to about six, back to 12, back to six, back to 14, down to five. Uh, the Knicks were doing their part, but the Warriors had enough of an answer. And that's a good quality win for them, winning in New York. Um, and they're kind of settling in with uh, Chris Paul back, uh, Clay Thompson coming off the bench. Y- you can just look at them now, and they look more well-rounded. I don't know how much of an overall threat they're going to be. It's a little bit like we probably felt that like about them last year, but um, they're thirty-one and twenty-seven. Another quality win, and the guy who just continues to impress me when you watch the Golden State Warriors is Jonathan Kaminga. Kaminga continues to show off his amazing athletic ability, put up good stats, and um, is kind of the next line. I mean, it, it, watching them too, they're they're morphing with the you know, current departure of the team for personal reasons of, of Wiggins. I mean, they're starting Draymond Green and Steph Curry. We all know them. We've known them for years. But then they're going young around them with Moody, Pajemski, and Kaminga. And then now you're getting hit off the bench with guys like Looney, Chris Paul, Saric, Clay Thompson, GP2. That just all of it sounds better and looks better. The depth to the roster and how Steve Kerr is using them. So, Warriors picked up the win, 110-99 to 99 last night. Elsewhere in the NBA, as far as Western Conference top 10, and for those that were you know talking about, oh, I think the Jazz could still catch the Kings, they lost again yesterday. They're now six games below 500. I mean, that the top 10 is, is locked in. I, I feel very, very confident about that, barring just some sort of colossal meltdown and major improvement by the bottom five. I just don't see it happening. I think we got the top ten. It's just what order will it be? It's crazy that the Jazz were like the top. They were like Oklahoma City last year, Mm -hmm. and then they're just like a stone. Yeah, it's just plummeted. Not that long ago, too, they had made their way up to 500, but now uh, here they go six games below. Spurs with the surprise of the night as uh, they were able to defeat uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder, and it was a good day from Victor Webinyama. 28 for Victor Webinyama. Holmgren trying to answer. He is stuffed and taken away. Places going bananas. Victor Webinyama, Chet Holmgren showdown. The victory goes to the Spurs and Victor Webinyama. 
Uh, he's good. He was great. 28 points. It's scary seeing him figure things out. Yeah. 28, 13, and 7. They have 12 wins. They're not a great team, but they will be. They'll figure it out with him as long as he stays healthy. Pop keeps them going. Uh, but a, a, a tough loss for the Thunder. Impressive win for the Spurs. Kings were hoping to get some help from the Rockets. They lost to the Phoenix Suns. Booker went for 35. And so Phoenix improves to 35 and 24. Pretty good game last night. In a rematch of the NBA Finals. That one had the Denver Nuggets hosting the Miami Heat, the team, uh, the Kings' last two opponents. Uh, the Heat were up for the challenge, but it was Denver with the win. 103 to 97 was the final. Uh, Porter was big. He ended up with his final stat line. Yeah, he had 30. Uh, the Jokers' triple double streak came to an end. He had 18, 11, and 7. Um, but good balance. And two good teams there. Miami, Miami really battled them, but uh, Denver got the victory. And then the last game of the night, was an overtime game. The Wizards came back to force OT. Lakers outscored the Wizards in OT 8-5 to to win 134-131. to And it took big, big nights from AD and LeBron. Anthony Davis had 40 with 15 boards and 4 assists. And LeBron James, 31 points, 4 boards, 9 assists. LeBron is now, I think, 9 points away from 40,000 points in That's his career. 40,000 I got to go to the list and see where, I mean, just how, how much separation. What's now. crazy is everyone always said like, oh, well, if Michael Jordan never left basketball, he would have, he would have beaten, uh, uh, he would have beaten uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record. But even Jordan, as great as he was, I can't see him scoring 40,000 points. Yeah. I mean, let me see where Jordan is. Okay, so in your top, LeBron's at 39,991, so he's nine away from 40,000. There are only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players in the history of the game to get to 30,000. Kevin Durant will get there and to make it eight, but Chamberlain's at 31,4. Dirk Nowitzki's at 31,5. Michael Jordan is in fifth at 32-292. So LeBron will probably end up about 10,000 more than him. 10,000 more points. Um, And with how he's playing now, and everyone's like, oh, I mean, I can't see him retiring next season. I can't see him retiring the season after that. Yeah. Um, And and is he going to just go out on top? Or, like, will he stay, like, past his prime? Will we see, like, oh, man, maybe LeBron should have, like, left a year too early yeah let's say and this might be that's not even a thought right now yeah do you think it's possible that he could get to be about twelve thousand more than lebron i mean than than michael if he's uh, probably going to get to at least 10 yeah so let's say he gets to twelve thousand more chris twelve thousand right now would be 250th in scoring in league history (laughs) twelve thousand more though than michael jordan so I mean, here's people that have scored 12,000 points in their career. Gordon Hayward, Derrick Rose, Andrew Wiggins, DeMarcus Cousins. Carl Anthony Towns is now at 13,000. But that would be the separation from LeBron and Michael Jordan. Uh, keep going up. Kobe was at 33.6. Uh, Carl Malone, 36, almost 37,000. Kareem's at 38.3. And now LeBron at 30,900. And 91. Incredible. Incredible. I mean, and still just at such a high level. So there you go. Those were the finals from yesterday. So now let's update you 
on what that looks like for the standings around the Western Conference and what kind of impact that had. As we said, that bottom five, both Utah and Houston losing, they continue to fall further back. The Warriors, with their win, stayed in 10th. They are 10.5 back of first, uh, but just related to the Kings, only two back of the Kings. The Warriors' win put, excuse me, the Lakers' win put them a game and a half back now of Sacramento, knowing that the Kings and Lakers face each other next week. And then I think it was a week or two after that. Still two more matchups between these two teams. So that's going to be really important coming up. Uh, the Kings will begin the night tonight, a half game back of Dallas. They're a full game back of New Orleans. The Suns win put them a game and a half ahead of the Kings. Clippers didn't play, but they're still four and a half up. Denver's win now puts them seven clear of Sacramento. OKC's loss puts them in sole possession of second, one back of Minnesota, and what, seven and a half ahead of the Kings, and the Kings are eight and a half back of the Minnesota Timberwolves. So uh, the juggling will continue. The top four are still a tier, though the Clippers are getting a little bit closer to the rest of the pack. And then that five through eight was a pack, but now it's almost becoming five through ten because of the Lakers and Warriors' recent success. And the problem is when those two teams have success, I said this to Kristen in one of the breaks, every single time the Lakers win on either get up or first take, it's do the Lakers have enough to get out of the Western Conference? Every time they win. If the playoffs started today, Lakers would face this team. Could they get through that matchup? Who has a better chance of getting through the West? The Lakers or the Warriors? Would we do this on the, who's 10th and 9th in the East? The Hawks and the Bulls? No. No, not at all. But it's the Lakers and Warriors because we've seen the Warriors do it. The Lakers did it once, but I guess did get to the conference finals last year. But, I mean, you know who doesn't get talked about at all? The Pelicans. They're in sixth. They've got a record that's better. Um, Really, I don't think they talk enough about the Thunder and the Minnesota Timberwolves. A little bit like we probably felt last year about the Sacramento Kings when they were in third. Now people aren't talking about the Kings. Maybe it's fine. They're in eighth. I get it. But the record is what they were at this time a year ago. It's just the rest of the West has been that much better. When we come back, three questions, three answers. Brought to you by our friends at Firewings. We've got that next on Sacktown Sports. Three questions, three answers. It's three for madness on the Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross. Here's question one. All right, three for madness time. Brought to you by our friends at Firewings. 21 delicious flavors of wings. Firewings. Just wing it. All right, Chris, let's wing it. What do you got for question number one? March is here, and it starts the MLB season as well as March Madness. Would you rather attend day one of the NCAA tournament or opening day at an MLB park? Well, I would say, thankfully, I've been fortunate to do both at uh, different times. Um, I think the only opening day I've ever been to, ironically, was the opening day of then Pac Bell Park. Now, Oracle Park in San Francisco. So it's the very first game ever played there. Uh, they were hosting the Dodgers. And if memory serves me right, Kevin Elster of the Dodgers hit three home runs. And he was not a home run hitter. Dodgers shortstop near the end of his career at that time. Um, so I did that. And I've been to day one of the NCAA tournament, or at least round one, day one, here at uh, either uh, Arco or Golden One Center. Um, it was great having the tournament here last year, too. And I know it'll be back here. Uh, sometime soon. Uh, I I think most people would say the NCAA tournament. Chris, did you ever go to the tournament at Golden no. One? Or you never have? Mm-mm. 
my only and this is a this is maybe more of a me thing than anyone else. My only beef with the NCAA tournament, I absolutely love the tournament. I love it. I love being there for the games. It's fun. The beginning, I want to see every game. And so when you're at the game, and I found the first time I I went to it as a fan, maybe in the, I know it was in college, and so I went to Arco, got tickets. But then I went as, the next time it was here, I went as a reporter, and I found myself in the media room because I was watching all the other games. And then I would hear cheering, like if the, the game that Arco was coming down to the wire. I went I went out to watch it live, but I also did one of this buzzer beater, like, oh my gosh, Pitt might lose to, or whatever the game was, and I, I wanted to see the finish. It's so kind of like going weird. to a football game when you could watch Red Zone instead. Yeah, and so, and if you are really into the other games too, like if UCLA were playing like they were here, like I don't care, then I'm watching them. Like that's what I want to see. But if it's, and no offense to any other team, if it's Tulane and... Um, Syracuse it's like cool that might be a fun game but you know man North Carolina might lose I got to see the end of this so that's that's the only beef so I guess my answer would be Major League Baseball opening day but that feels weird because the tournament's yeah. fun that's like I went to what you're describing I went to the Pac-12 tournament in Vegas uh-huh. and that was fun but then thinking about it, I didn't have to worry about any other games it wasn't March Madness going on right you just had the game in front yeah. of you and yeah. we were like right next to the student section and stuff like yeah. that so we're making friends with everybody and you did you get like was it one of those things where you saw maybe three games or something or multiple uh, games? two games okay, yeah two games yeah and so that's the way they do it here there's two game session break and then come back in if you have the second session two more games um my, I had a bunch of family that went last year just absolutely loved it I mean just it's a good time at the tournament. I've always have, and it'll be back at uh, Golden One sometime soon. And if you get a chance, you got to check it out. The tournament's fun, but it's weird. It's like I love being at home, and you know when you got the score in the upper corner, and now that's the first time and only time everybody figures out what True TV is. And between like parking wars or whatever else ends up on that station, but it's like TBS, CBS, TNT, and then True TV. And what is that? Impractical, Impr- <laughs> impractical jokers yes. right afterwards. It's like they always show. I'm like, what is this show? Never seen it, but I've seen like 800 commercials for it. There, now that I think about it, there was that weird pawn sh- show on there for like One a while. Them. Yeah. And it was just like a regular pawn shop. It wasn't like, yeah. oh, it's history and stuff like that. It's like, no, it's just a pawn shop. Just one that got some coverage, that's for sure. All right, let's get to uh, question number two. Question two. Today is Chris Webber and Yolanda Griffith's hey. birthday. More on that later in Celebrity Birthday. Uh-huh. How wild is it that Sacramento had two basketball Hall of Famers from the Kings and Monarchs at the same time? And ironically, I mean, they're gonna, they had more. Really, Vlade was. I think there'll be a time where Tisha will get there. Ruthie, if she's not already. It's I mean, a surprise that she's not already. Yeah, I mean, Tisha, that to me is one of the, the things that I think was has been a miss. Like, her jersey should be retired and should be in the rafters in Sacramento. Like she should have had her day here before the Monarchs Definitely. left. Um, I mean, just to me, honestly, one of my favorite players of any sport, any time to watch. Tisha was so much fun to watch play. But I don't know that we ever had have had a better time in basketball here. We still are searching for it now, and maybe we'll get it. Like last year was incredible, incredibly fun. It was great. First time the Kings are kind of back and relevant, and all the honors and accolades and the. Getting the Warriors in the first round, those those moments, those memories, I won't forget. Game one, doing a pre-pre-show out there. And, Chris, I remember you were there. You were engineering. I'm thinking, well, I know there'll be some 
there'll be people out here, but I don't I don't know how many. Wow. I mean, just by before before the game started, we went till probably game night, which would have been an hour and a half before tip off. And I remember leaving our set trying to get in. I'm like, I, it was like a mob. I, I don't even know how to get through all the people. And what were the people doing? Just hanging out and chanting and making noise and light the beam. And there were a smattering of Warrior fans and taunting them. And um, I remember being nervous about that too, going, ah, oh, I hope there's not like 25% Warrior fans in here. And I would say it was like 0.1, yeah. which was great. I was so happy Sacramento did that. Um, so that as great as all that was, I mean, the early 2000s when the Kings were trying to win a championship and the Monarchs were one of the best teams in the WNBA and then ultimately in 05 when both were playoff teams and the Monarchs won a title and you had an MVP in Yolanda Griffith, Chris Webber flirting with the MVP. Um that was probably the best time of basketball here. We still haven't experienced it yet, but like during the Western Conference Finals, it was a ghost town during the game. Yeah, like nobody was anywhere. They were like you were either at a bar watching it, or you were at home with people watching it. Yeah, and I remember when some of the numbers came out. Like they always have the the Nielsen ratings or whatever, and just what Sacramento, like the volume of TVs and the ratings that were watching the game were absurd percentage wise for the households here. It was either at the game. Or watching it, no other, no other. Option. I remember like having to go and like grab something at the store real quick, and it was like there was nobody. It there. was real quick. You're like, I got there and got back. You're already back. Yep, no one was there. Um, that was a great time, and to have those two, they went to the Hall of Fame together, which was really cool. Um, that was a great class because for us in Sacramento to get Rick Adelman, Chris Weber, and Yolanda Griffith at the same time, and the fact that they both have birthdays today, that's really cool. Two legends, two great people, and. Um, yeah, proud that they were representing Sacramento. And shout out, miss the Monarchs. I hope they come back in some way, shape, or form in some version. All right, let's uh, question number three. Question three. The Kings do not have a game on Saturday or Sunday this weekend. If you could rewatch just one game from this season to fill the void, which one would it be? So we got to do a rewatchable. I'd love your uh, candidates here. Maybe we'll ask this to Brennan as well a little bit later, and maybe even Chris and Alan. So no Kings basketball this weekend. You have to rewatch one game from this season. Um, the first one that jumps to my mind, and I got—I don't even know which game it is, but it's really more about the individual. The game at home where Keegan went for 47. Oh, yeah. I think that was, uh, was that Utah? Yep, it was Utah. Saturday, December 16th. That one jumps out to me. Um, there's been other maybe better wins, but that one came out of out of nowhere. Yeah, and I think it was the surprise element, and it just kept getting better and better and better. And there was a stretch because I remember watching it back that same night. Like I came home, I don't think my wife had even seen or had saw part of the game. She's like, they went. She goes, they ended up winning. I go, they did. I go, you didn't see it. She goes, no, not the end. I go, and I when I turned it back on, it was. I go, oh my gosh, you got to watch this part. And I think we watched a stretch where I can't even remember what Keegan ended up having at the half or at the end of the third, whatever it was. But let's say he had, you know, 28 or, or no, maybe like 35 at the end of the third quarter. When he scored this bucket at the particular time, Chris, I want to say there was like three minutes left in the quarter and Keegan had like 19. And I'm like, oh, we need to watch these last three minutes because he is going to get crazy yeah. hot here. 
So that would I be I remember one. I was at a Christmas party and they're way out in Roseville and like it started like a little it started a little after the Kings started mm-hmm. and I'm like it's like a 45 minute drive for me so I'm like hey I'm going to be there at 7 I don't care if nobody's there I want to watch the game. <laughs> <laughs> oh at their party? Yeah. yeah. So it's literally me I walked into the house and like nobody's there. Hey turn the game on. <laughs> no, I had to turn the game. You turn the game on. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> but uh, it was one of those moments, like, you know, when you're at a party and, like, a game's on, people are, like, kind of paying attention and, like, you look every once in a while, like, try and keep up. And then there was a point when Keegan was going off where everyone's just watching it, just oh, like, so the party oh, my shifted. God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's cool if it gathered everybody's attention at a party. Uh, the other one I would think of would be uh, maybe the win against the Warriors oh, where yeah, Malik hit the game winner. Yeah, um, that was pretty good energy, pretty intense. There's some great road wins. I mean, but I, I think if I had to rewatch one, plus it's far enough removed where there'd still be some elements of it would feel like like I know the outcome. I know Keegan was hot. I know Malik hits the game winning shot, but the Kings were down 22, I think, or 18, something significant. So, you know, to kind of go through it again, it will feel like you're watching a new game in a sense. It's you know, I don't remember every moment of that game. Um, that's the one you would pick? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that wasn't at a Christmas party, though, was it? No. I was there for that one. You were there for that yeah. one? Yeah. In-season tournament game. You think I'm going to miss that? That's right. Come on. Got to get that schedule and that uh, opportunity for next year to see if we can get that banner up. All right. Break time for us when we come back. We will take a look at this game tonight. Uh, Ant is questionable. De'Aaron Fox, will he give it a go? Uh, what are the key matchups tonight for the Kings and the Timberwolves. We've got all that and more straight ahead here on Sacktown Sports. The only place in the morning to get your sports fix. Live and local. The Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross. We're in the final minute of play. Minnesota unbeaten on the home floor this year. Now looking possibly at their first defeat. Fox with a runner in the lane. Add two more to his tally. That's the dagger right there from fourth quarter Fox. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, one of the catalysts in the last time these two teams played in Minnesota. One of the better wins of the year. That's a game that could be a rewatchable. We talked about the Kings not playing this weekend. If you could go back and watch one Kings game to fill the void. Well, that Friday, November 24th game in Minnesota, the Kings gave Minnesota their first home loss. They were 11-3 and at the time, 7-0 and at home. Kings went in there and beat them and played just beautiful basketball. Um, great balance all around. Looking at that box score that night, Fox went for 36-7 and 12 assists. Sabonis had 15-11-5. You had 18 from Barnes. Herter scored 10. Um, let's see who – Keegan didn't play in that game. Duarte started, didn't score – uh, let's see, you had uh, Kyle, uh, excuse me, Kessler Edwards with 10, and Malik Monk had 17. Sacramento scored 124 and beat the T-Wolves 124 to 111. T-Wolves came back here, though, and beat the Kings uh, in the second matchup. So tonight, the two teams back at it, Minnesota. Uh, what a transformation for the Timberwolves. I was very adamant a year or so ago when the Minnesota Timberwolves made the trade to get Rudy Gobert. I just didn't understand it. I thought... The only thing I could see was them picking a different lane. I thought the the route of going Gobert and Towns 
wasn't really fitting the current NBA. Uh, but I said, look, they're different, but I didn't like they're different. I thought the best player was Anthony Edwards. They needed to recognize that. And how are they going to sort out the Towns and Gobert kind of tandem at the time, too? They also still had, uh, I believe, D'Angelo Russell. It just I didn't like the overall makeup of what they were doing. I think what it's shifted last year was Towns was hurt for a good portion of the year. And Gobert kind of got his, um, you know, himself comfortable in the Timberwolves system. And then when they got Mike Conley, it just really stabilized things for that team. They kind of had the the grown up on the roster. Um, they had you know when it was Towns and Wiggins and Russell. It just they didn't have a, a motor amongst really any of those guys to me. Jimmy Butler got there. Remember that's the year they they finally pushed for a playoff berth, and he wanted out of there when Tibbs and it just. They've been kind of going through things like the Kings were. I mean, they of all those years the Kings missed the playoffs, the team with the worst record in the NBA than the Kings was was actually Minnesota, even though they had one trip in the postseason in that stretch. Well, now they're different. They're coached differently. They've got a different roster and personnel, and it's showing as a result this year. If you look at what they were last year overall, they won 42 games. They were 42-40. and 40. Nice year. Um this year they're 42 and 17 already. Man, and they are number 1 in defensive rating. So, you know, we talk about I talk a lot about the league where they're trying to do this course correct, maybe at some point uh get the rules back maybe more in favor of the defense cuz the the switch to the offense, everybody's figured it out and we're getting, you know, 125, 130, 140 point games pretty regularly now and below 100 is is abnormal and so when you say you know number one defensive rated team what does that even mean how great are they defensively well the kings are going to find out tonight and you know we don't know about the availability yet of De'Aaron Fox or of Anthony Edwards so two prominent players in each team at least entered the day questionable we'll check in a little bit more on that with the voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves Alan Horton when he joins us at eight o'clock and we also will talk with Brendan Nunez, our Sacktown Sports Kings insider, at 9. Um, but in this situation, when you're facing a team that really has, for the bulk of the season, figured it out. I mean, Minnesota's led by Anthony Edwards, but uh, Gobert has his role. You've got a guy like Carl uh, Anthony Towns fitting into his role perfectly. Um, their most recent game, they had a close call with the Grizzlies, but they won. They continue to win. They're on a heater. And a guy like... Uh, Jaden McDaniels, who didn't play in that first meeting, is a really, really important piece. A good, prominent wing defender that can spend minutes on Fox or on Keegan Murray, on whoever, in Monk, whoever might get hot for the Kings. And that starting lineup of Edwards, Conley, Towns, Gobert, and McDaniels is really, really good. Nas Reed, who a lot of Kings fans know and like, is important to what they do off the bench and just all the way through. It's it's a team that's now, when you've established this kind of record, you now believe you're good instead of, or know you're good instead of even having to believe it. They know it. And for them, the questions they have to answer is, are they a legitimate title contender? The record would suggest so. The experience says no, but what does that matter? At some point, teams break through. There's always kind of a line of thinking that you kind of have to go through it before you get there. Maybe there's, different case studies. I don't think that's a foolproof way to do this. If they end up with the one seed and everything has to go through Minnesota, why wouldn't they think that they could win this whole thing? And 
this almost takes me back to the beginning of the season when we were making predictions on the Kings and really other teams. I had said, look, I really feel like if everything went right, Sacramento could finish as the one seed. I also feel like they could finish 11 or 12. That's what I said before the year because I did think there would be 11 to 12 teams in the mix. A team that I thought would be in the mix more than they are is Utah, and I did think Memphis would be. Now, injuries have have crushed that team, but everyone else that's kind of there I I thought could be in the mix. And I think my reference was Utah. I don't think it was Minnesota, but I said, look, if, if someone puts it together, there's no reason why Utah couldn't be the one seed or a team like, in this case, OKC or Minnesota. And here they are. They have put it together. They've got the separation from the majority of the Western Conference, not that other tier that's with them in the Clippers, the Nuggets, and the Thunder. But Minnesota has mixed that fine mix of a really good defense with a prominent, efficient offense. And so they are going to be a handful. They will be tough for the Kings tonight. And like we said, impressed that they were 42-40 and 40 last year and now 42-17 and 17 already this year. Some other things Kings-wise – uh, DeMontis Sabonis, I told you yesterday, I wasn't thrilled with him coming back into the game the other day when the Kings were going to lose and ultimately did. It ended up continuing his double-double streak. Did not get a triple-double in that game, but he finishes the month of February averaging a triple-double for the month. Truly amazing, the statistics that he was able to put up in that month. And then the other one, that is is heating up right now. The last, let's see, the last four games for Keegan Murray, he is at 19 points per game. He's rebounding at a pretty decent clip. He's been way more aggressive, which is what I think we all want is and continuing to do. So he has to push that being aggressive. His defense has been great, but his offense, the more they can get from him, that will be special. He's also shot the ball well at 56%. So, and caught a body for Chris's uh, prediction the other day. It was going to happen. Yeah, you knew it. You called it. You're going to have another opportunity today on a uh, three in the key coming up. But to me, if you're looking longer-term success for the Sacramento Kings, all the role players are important. But I think what Monty McNair and Wes Wilcox in that front office have kind of figured out, or at least deemed to this point, at least in my, my thinking, is there are three benchmark players that they're trying to build on, and that's Fox, that's Sabonis, and it's now Keegan Murray. And, you know, versions of teams can change year to year. This is a good team, but even if it's one tweak in the offseason, two tweaks in the offseason, and a different starter here or there, you're, you're still your core is this group, and it's the reference we've talked about with Denver. Denver knew kind of early on it was the Joker with Jamal Murray, and most likely Michael Porter Jr. They've mixed in around to find the missing pieces, and it proved to be KCP and Gordon, and that's the group that helped lead them to a championship. That's not the group they started with. That three-core piece is. And so I feel like that's the parallel at least the Kings are on. The harder part is identifying those other pieces. Whether that's a bigger name, bigger star, I think the Kings would probably like to add that. But can they? Via trade? Via free agency? Probably not. Um, how do they get that? Or is it developing one of their own? I mean, I think Monk is you know closer. Like if Monk next year is inserted into the starting lineup as a trade of you know some other players with Fox, with Murray, with Sabonis, and then maybe one other piece, is that the group? 
That's that's the question this front office is going to have to ask and hopefully have a good answer for uh, come off season time. So to me, another measurement type game for the Sacramento Kings when you play. Look, a team with a great record. You're playing on the road. These are these are tough situations. What I want to see the Kings is it is a compete level for four quarters. Have a chance to win the game. Uh, the way they started against Denver couldn't have been much better for a quarter and nearly a half. And then it was absolutely awful. Absolutely awful. So your last two games, you've lost by double digits. Um, actually, let me see. How many games back can we go? Yeah, more of their losses here lately. They've lost to the Nuggets by double digits, the Heat by double digits. It was a close loss to the Suns before the All-Star break. Thunder got them by 14. Pistons somehow got them by 13. Cavs got them by 26. The Heat the other time got them by 9. So the losses, um, that group of losses, they got to be more competitive, have chances to win, and tonight certainly uh, let's hope they're not shorthanded as we await kind of the latest news on whether or not De'Aaron Fox and certainly Anthony Edwards. That would have a huge impact on Minnesota whether or not he's able to give it a go. All right, we got more on this, like we said, coming up at 9. We'll get the Minnesota perspective on this from their radio voice, Alan Horton. He will be joining us. When we return, the NFL Combine, day one is in the books. Day two today, it's going to be you know the meat market out there, all the drills, people trying to show off the uh, shuttle run to vertical jump to bench press to the 40-yard dash. But we'll look back at some uh, NFL drafts in the past and maybe a mock draft now to see what's going on. The very latest in the NFL as teams continue to transform and make themselves Super Bowl contenders. We'll discuss that next on Sacktown Sports. very good sources and he, he just kind of tells it as it is and gets to the point. Jason Ross. He has a lot of pretty smart things to, to say. He's good at what he does. On Sacktown Sports. Coming up at the top of the hour, Alan Horton, radio voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves, will join us. He'll tell us how and why it's going so well for Minnesota as they are the top seed in the Western Conference. Some really good wins this year for them. We will visit with him uh, coming up a little bit later in this show, like we said, in in about 15 minutes. And then also at 9 o'clock, Brendan Nunes will join us. We will have celebrity birthdays a little bit later, crosstalk with the guys, and Friday Fun and Games to wrap up uh, this week's worth of shows. Again, we'll lead you to Styles and Watkins today. We will have the Drive Guys this afternoon. Then Kings basketball tonight, the Kings and the Minnesota Timberwolves. So the NFL draft is coming up, and uh, the combine is here. I saw, you know, reading some write-ups on stuff. People stock that went up, people that stock that went down. My thought process and premise and all that stuff at the the combine is uh, that would only be a, a a supplement to an idea. Like I I'm I would have been a scout that would have watched games, game film, the eye test, maybe some numbers and metrics. I don't want to. I, I think I would want as much information and data as possible, and that's what you would get from the combine but you know maybe if someone ran a faster 40 or hey their wingspan is larger than we thought or their hand size is too small like I mean just some of the details they worry about and the red flags that come out there are just maybe sometimes a little too much but uh, Chris the never-ending quest to find the quarterback of your dreams I was looking up some numbers here and some stats 
Uh, this was pretty interesting. So apparently we're going to have another mock draft or a draft class that has a lot of QBs at the top. Everybody's always looking for a quarterback. So um, I looked back since 2014, the last 10 years of NFL drafts. There are 32 teams in the NFL. What would be your guess? How many of the 32 drafted a first round quarterback in the last 10 years? I would say all of them. You think all of them have? Yeah. So I was going to say, are you going to say half or more? You think everybody has? There are one, two, three, four, five, six teams total that didn't in the first <laughs> round. 26 of the 32. I don't know. I mean, this is going to be a total random guess, but any any shots in the dark at who didn't draft a first okay, round? Okay, so now that I'm thinking about Green Bay. They did. Jordan Love. Oh, yeah. he might have been a second round. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I know this is a tough one on the spot, but just seeing if you could guess. There's one AFC team, and the five are in the NFC. Oh, so no, because Patriots was first round. Mac Jones. Um, And some have two. Some have done it twice. And one might do it a third time this year. The Jets, obviously. Yep, Jets Um, are one that did it twice with Wilson and Darnold. Oh, uh, how about the Seattle? Uh... Seattle. Okay. They're one. Good job. I'm just trying to think of like long-term quarterbacks. Yeah, and that's not the even. The Saints. The Saints haven't either. Yep, that's two. I'm trying to think of that AFC team. Which AFC player has been there for a long time? Buccaneers haven't, have they? They did. Jameis uh-huh. Winston. But oh, that yeah, feels yeah. like that's closer to 10 years ago. But yeah, Jameis Winston. You've done well, though. I would say I'll, I'll let everybody. So Seattle, Detroit hasn't. Stafford was before hmm. 10 years. Uh, Atlanta. Man, that was more than 10 years ago. Ugh. <laughs> uh, New Orleans, Dallas. Oh, yeah. And the one AFC team in the last 10 years that hasn't drafted a first-round quarterback, the Raiders. Oh, see, because I was thinking like Derek Carr. Yeah, Ooh. but more than 10. Yeah. Yeah. Let me go back. What year was Carr? Carr would have been, uh, and I think he was the first pick of the second round, if I'm not mistaken. Or was he the last pick of the first round? Uh, Derek Carr would have been in 20, was he 12 or 2011? Or did I miss Derek Carr on a year where he was? Let me see. Oh, yeah, he was second round. Second, first 2014. Second, 2014, okay. So, uh, 10 years. Yeah. Um, so, but looking at teams like Arizona, they've done it twice already, and Josh Rosen and Kyler Murray. You've got Chicago, who might and likely will take Caleb Williams. That'll be in the last 10 years, the third time they've taken a first-round quarterback, Trubisky and Justin Fields. The Trubisky, other, wasn't there like a pretty good quarterback in that draft? Yeah, the pretty Trubisky good. Draft? I'm trying to think. Maybe one about eight picks later. Uh, yeah, Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. Let's see who else has done it twice. Uh, Cleveland, Johnny Manziel, and Baker Mayfield. Neither one is a Brown. One's not even in the league. Uh, Houston. With Deshaun Watson and now C.J. Stroud. You know, Johnny Manziel's going to be coming to town pretty soon. What's he here for again? Uh, the autograph signing with uh, Oh, yeah, that's Emmer right. Yeah. That's right. Um, Jacksonville has done it multiple times. They've done it with Blake Bortles and Trevor Lawrence. Bortles. And, and Bortles. And then New York has done it with the Jets. It was Sam Darnold and uh, Russell, or excuse me, Zach Wilson. So... Again, teams are going to do this. We're going to see this in this draft where people are going to go above and beyond to see if they can find their quarterback. And, you know, looking back at this in the first-round picks, let's see. 
Murray is still in Arizona, and I think they're relatively happy with him. I know he got injured, but uh, Jared Goff drafted by the Rams, already on his second team. Trey Lance drafted by the Niners, already on his second team and not even starting. Uh, we mentioned the Fields and Trubisky, and Fields may not be a, a Chicago Bear. Jordan Love's now getting an opportunity with Green Bay. Minnesota's first rounder was Teddy Bridgewater. He's been on about six teams since. Um, Carolina did it with Bryce Young, just going into year two. Jameis Winston, he's long gone from Tampa. Uh, Daniel Jones is in New York. I feel like if they could upgrade, they would. Uh, let's see. Carson Wentz from Philadelphia, multiple teams since. Unfortunately, Washington took uh, Dwayne Haskins. He was the one that was uh, not in the league anymore and was killed, unfortunately, and a tragedy there. Uh, Paxton Lynch for Denver, out of the league. He's currently a broadcaster. Mahomes still winning Super Bowls. Raiders haven't done it. Justin Herbert now will be playing with Herb, uh, Harbaugh. Lamar Jackson, the last pick of that five-quarterback draft, and people still want him to go to as a wide receiver. He's now a two-time MVP. Joe Burrow, solid there with Cincinnati. We mentioned Mayfield and Mantell in Cleveland. Pickett in Pittsburgh. I don't think they're that happy with him. They're always looking to to change there. We mentioned Watson and Stroud in Houston. Richardson, I'm intrigued by him with the Colts. I know he got hurt this year. I think he's got pretty high potential. And then you look at uh, the Jacksonville Jags with Blake Bortles and Trevor Lawrence. Um, Mariota, Tennessee Titan, was a first-round quarterback. He has been on multiple teams since. Josh Allen still uh, kicking it with Buffalo. Tua in Miami. And Mac Jones in New England, you know, they would look for the upgrade. The last one, New York, uh, Darnold and Wilson. So um, the premise being in, you know, the combines, they can do all this stuff and everybody's still looking for quarterbacks because they're trying to find the Mahomes, the Rogers, the Brady. Um, It's just what everybody's doing and everybody thinks they can find it. And this year, when you look at mock drafts, I'm just going to pull up one from NFL.com you got Caleb Williams, number one, to the Chicago Bears. So, again, apparently a lot of people love his talent. Now, he's looked great. He was really good at USC. Will he be the guy that can be in that group of elite quarterbacks from years to come? Jaden Daniels, Washington, the commanders, they need a QB. They're looking at him in the mock draft here, has him going number two. The third pick, New England Patriots. They need a quarterback, Drake May, quarterback out of North Carolina. So you've got the top three guys going in as QBs. And I still know that McCarthy will be up here somewhere. Yep, number 12 to the Denver Broncos. So a lot of these mock drafts have four quarterbacks in the first round. And it just is it going to go along the line of some of these others that I read. And I, and history would suggest yes, because you give a quarterback. I mean, this is 10 years for the New York Jets of Darnold and Wilson as top three picks and you've moved on. You're going to move on from Wilson. You've moved on from Darnold. And it's Rodgers. And then you're probably going to do another first round pick. Like either they're misdrafting, not developing, or what else is it? I mean, and if you could get a proven edge rusher, elite receiver, premier cornerback, would you be better off? And then just trying to find a quarterback that was drafted by someone else, left out there to be taken like Baker Mayfield last year, and function your offense and make it work just fine. That's why we always talk about there's multiple ways to build a team, but this never-ending quest to get that franchise quarterback 
has derailed organizations, has made them miss in drafts. And, you know, I think these guys allegedly, I mean, I wonder if, if there wasn't such a need and love for quarterbacks. For example, if, you know, teams that are maybe comfortable with their quarterback, starting quarterback right now, but not thinking that they've got an absolute need to fill that position if they were drafting first. And maybe the Bears are that team. Look, they got Justin Fields. They can definitely come back with Justin Fields. They can. And they would be, I guess, this case in study, but they probably feel they just can't turn down Caleb Williams. They better be right on that because some of these other teams, you know, the 49ers felt Trey Lance was the guy they absolutely had to have. There was a reason behind it. They missed on it, at least for the time being, and maybe somehow, someway, Trey Lance still becomes that great player that he wants to be. You got to get an opportunity. He's still behind Dak. He's not going to play for Dallas right now, at least. And that inexact science of drafting, putting the player in an environment, having them grow, having them understand the position, all the nuance of the position to be a franchise guy. It's really difficult to do. And obviously it's shown with all these missteps in just the last 10 years. And we can go further back because this has not been a new thing for 10 years. It's been for 20 and 25 years and more even of moving up to get a quarterback, ultimately maybe two years later to be done with that quarterback and to start the process over again. Some of these have hit. And that's what you're hoping for. But even the ones that kind of hit, you almost go, man, like Kyler Murray's a good example. That, that was a good pick. But if Arizona could, wouldn't they upgrade? I think they would. That's what makes this very, very challenging. All right, our next hour coming up. Let's get a look, closer look at why it's been so successful for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Their radio voice, Alan Horton. He will join us when we come back on Sacktown Sports.